0: Listening to From the Friars Podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. My brothers and sisters, the greeting of St. Francis. May the Lord give you his peace. Amen. I'm really excited about today's saint, St. Luke. Even though I'm not actually named after him, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Praise God. Um, so I was named after Luke Skywalker. (laughs) But, uh, Star Wars was the first religion I belonged to. So as a child, I wasn't baptized. And, you know, I was five years old when Star Wars came out and there was Luke Skywalker. And, uh, that was my religion there until I got a little older and I got baptized and became Catholic. So, (laughs) but, uh, just a, a tremendous, wonderful saint, Saint Luke. And um, I'm going to take today's Feast Day as as an opportunity to speak a little bit about the four Gospels and about the um, foundations of Christianity. That's a bit of a big topic, huh? You know, I've always found it super interesting that the Lord Jesus himself never actually wrote any of the Gospels. We don't have any letters from Jesus. We don't have, you know, do you ever think about that? You know, we don't have anything from him. We know that he could read and write, right? Because there's stories of him being in the synagogue. He's even writing something in the dirt with his finger. when right? <laughs> they wanted to stone that lady. Um, but he chose not to write any of the letters or any of the gospels. He completely and totally entrusted himself to his church. Like anything we know about Jesus, what he did, what he taught, all of that. Only comes to us from the church that Jesus entrusted himself to his church. How interesting. And, uh, however it came together, we ended up with four different gospels. There are a lot of different theories as to, well, what was the backstory there? How did, how did these four gospels, you know, get put together? And there's different traditions and ideas. We have, you know, Matthew, who was Levi the tax collector potentially maybe taking notes during Jesus' own ministry. Some of the early church fathers suggest that he had written originally in Aramaic or Hebrew and then it was translated into Greek. Um, you've got Mark, who was the according to tradition, a secretary of Saint Peter, and that um he wrote his gospel based off of the the way Saint Peter would preach the gospel, particularly there in Rome. And then you've got um John, who was the youngest of the twelve and who also had the honor and privilege of taking care of Blessed Mother Mary. And um, you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Luke, let me not forget him, a, a, a non-Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a um, supposedly a physician of some sort, companion of St. Paul. And, um, he, and then you've got John. So the four Gospels are very different and yet also complementary. And, and I like to explain it this way. If Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were in the room right now, and let's say one was in front of me, one was behind me, one was to my right, and one was to my left, and they would each make a sketch of what they were seeing, you know, um, maybe Matthew in front of me would, you know, talk about my face and my beard, you know, John's behind me, he may talk about my hood, you know, and, uh, you know, if Luke is to my right, he may see my Franciscan rope over here with the three knots or... You know, if Mark is to my left, he may see my holy rosary on my side here. But So they wouldn't be contradicting each other, but they would be complementary to one another, those four Gospels. And um, each one is um, very unique and different. And it's, it's an interesting teaching, particularly at Vatican II, there was a document on divine revelation. And it talked in there about how the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture, including the four Gospels, but the Holy Spirit made use of the human authors. So that they are true authors. So uh, each one of those guys—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—had unique things they were doing, and uh, that's one of my favorite things in the New Testament studies, where different scholars have been able to compare and contrast. Well, what's unique to each one of these gospels? And um, when you when you look at that, it, it just becomes so fascinating and interesting, and and. Um, And so let's just a couple of things like what is St. Luke known for? You know, what is unique about St. Luke's writings? Well, let's remember he wrote two books. He wrote Gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles, part one and part two. So he, he alone wrote a sequel. And it's so interesting that scholars have noticed that there are things that happen in the life of Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, that end up happening again in the life of the church in Acts of the Apostles. And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit had inspired St. Luke to highlight the fact that Jesus is present in the church, that the church is the body of Christ, and the things that the Holy Spirit did in the life of Jesus is now the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of the church. It's um, a Christocentric ecclesiology, which is uh, you know a theology of the church that is centered on Christ. I find that incredibly beautiful. Um, St. Luke highlights the working of the Holy spirit. So often he'll keep mentioning that. And he also highlights the importance of prayer. So often uh, Luke alone will, will mention, and Jesus was praying very interesting. Luke highlights the importance of women again and again and again. It's Luke who will include double examples. There'll be the male example, then the female example of different stories and parables, right? There's the lost sheep. And then there's the woman looking for the lost coin. And in and that way, He has a beautiful theology of the feminine. And of course, it is St. Luke who gives us the most details about our Blessed Mother, Blessed Mother Mary, and some just beautiful and amazing things that he preserves for us there. St. Luke also has a tremendous highlight on the presence of Jesus in the poor. We heard that in the opening prayer at Mass here. And uh, as Franciscans, we have a great love for that, that aspect. So there are all these interesting things that are very unique to Luke, but out of all of them, I think by far my favorite is Luke's emphasis on God's mercy. Luke has this story that no one else has, the parable of the prodigal son from Luke 15. We know that famous story, the the younger son, Who goes off and squanders his inheritance on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Okay. (laughs) And then the older brother who's, you know, straight laced, but his heart is far from the Lord. And then there's that merciful, the forgiving father. That, that parable from Luke 15 is sometimes I've, I've wondered if that was the only thing we had of Jesus's teaching. It would have been enough. It's so profound. It's so beautiful. It's so encouraging. The parable of the prodigal son from Luke 15. And it highlights a tremendous mystery of God's mercy that God loves us and that he wants to forgive us our sins and that he's always welcoming us back. It's shocking. It's shocking. You know, the the, the father in that parable would have had every right to be angry at that son and you know, it would have been completely justified. He wanted to give him a smack, you know, like, and, um, he doesn't, his, his love, his mercy is absolutely shocking. And there's one detail in particular from that parable, which I can't stop thinking about. And it's interesting. The younger son goes away, right? And he's gone to a a faraway land for a life of sin. And then he has this big conversion, right? He hits rock bottom. He has a big conversion. He's on his way back to the house of his father. And St. Luke uh, notes this detail in the story that the father sees the son while he's still a far way off. And, um, the, the father runs to meet him. And it's like, how in the world did the father catch sight of that, of the son coming back? There's only one answer to that question. And, it, and it's this, that the father never stopped looking. The father, when the minute his younger son left, the father stood vigil, watching and waiting. I think it, it's implying that he was praying for his son. And this becomes such an amazing image for us about God the father. Like, how many times did Jesus tell us that God the father is constantly watching us, you know, he knows us so intimately and particularly when we struggle with sin, the father is just, it's almost as if God wants to forgive us our sins even more than we want to be forgiven. It's like, that is amazing. It's like, if it wasn't true, it should be, you know, like if you could say, what kind of God would you like to have? That's the kind of God I would love to have. And it's just amazing that that's the God we actually do have. That is reality. His tremendous love, His tremendous mercy, His his, uh, welcoming, longing to have us with Him, to uh, forgive us, to heal us, to reconcile us. This is truly good news. There's no other way to say it. It's good news. And that's our message. That's the reality that we witness to with our faith the joy of knowing the love, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. And um, let us uh, spend the rest of this day thanking God that he inspired St. Luke to preserve this for us so that we could know about it and we could live in the midst of that mystery. Amen. You've been listening to From the Friars Podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars, The Renewal. Please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans.